0: The Incomparable, number three hundred sixty-six, August twenty seventeen.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Incomparable podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell. And before I get on any further, I just have to say, spoon, which is my clue to tell you that we're talking about the tick, the tick, the blue superhero in all his forms—comics, TV shows, more TV shows, more TV shows. <laughs> Joining me to talk about it, I have two wonderful guests. Glenn Fleischman is laughing right now. Glenn, the night is young and we have umbrellas in our drinks. Hello. Well, chum, I think it's time to start leaping across buildings and breaking parapets. We can solve the problem of the world is not too big for us to reach. Also, uh, Tony Sindelar is here. Tony, you're not going crazy. You're going sane in a crazy world. You're not Jason Snell. Jason Snell's have eight legs. (laughs) Barry. Anyway, many references are going We made tonight uh Mm -hmm. to the tick the tick created by ben Edland, who you may also know he wrote uh for angel and i think firefly i'm not sure and he's written for other um other tv series uh but back in the day he created the hero the tick for a local comic book store in new england tony is that correct they're a chain, but yes, they're a All local right. chain. Yeah, New England Comics, I think. For their, their newsletter. Right, and, and then it became an actual comic, and mm-hmm. that is still in print. You can get, there's a complete Edland omnibus. There's a colored set because it was they were in black and white mm. but there's a, like the first 12 i think they they also recolored and they may have recolored some others as well there are a bunch of different editions out there um th- that was back in the 80s and as a comic book reader in the 80s i d- had never heard of them and i went to college and of all people greg Noss Uh, you know, one time uh, incomparable panelist and now he is retired from podcasting apparently, but he still helps maintain the websites and things like that. Greg is the person who told me about the tick. I remember distinctly Greg describing the tick to me and he loaned me his issues of the tick. And it is a hilarious, if you go back, especially if you read the comics of that era, a hilarious, basically satire. He, Ben Mm -hmm. Edlund is riffing off of all of the cliches, all of the tropes of 80s superhero comics which reached its apex in the mi- the night of a million kajillion ninjas where ninjas are so plentiful if you read daredevil you know what i'm talking about that like in the in the tick people are like running over ninjas in their cars and, and going oh god i hit somebody
2: relax honey it's just a ninja can so... we talk about i think I, I mean i have a lot of favorite panels from the tick comic but i think the, up there one of my top two is the scene where the ninjas are staking out a house and they are pretending to be a hedge yes. around the house? That is that is up there. The other, but the other favorite one, which is not even really a panel. I think it's at the back of like the first issue, at l- or at least it was in the omnibus I have. How to draw the tick? I love that page. I think about that page like probably <laughs> once a month, where it's like draw an oval, bisect the oval, bisect it the other way. Now draw the tick holding the oval. I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. The
1: hedge. It's like literally like no we are not ninjas we are a hedge (laughs) like just trying to explain because the ninjas are really dumb and they they die easily and i thought about that a lot while i was watching
2: daredevil on netflix to be honest i was like oh (laughs) boy here are the ninjas your your ninja voice sounds slightly more authentic and ninja competent in your head than uh it does in my head in my head uh like they're just dudes. So, I, I, like, I'm like, a
1: hedge. No. Yeah. Like like I feel like a
2: lot of them. You know, a lot of those ninjas to me have like a California uh, teenager working at a convenience store accent. Yeah. that's how it's, they sound to me. I think the ninjas so. are uh, are definitely uh, min- minimum wage
1: workers. So that that comic Not is highly fun. trained. It's it's fun. It's weird. It is funny. Definitely from the very beginning, the tick is meant to be a you know a comedy about superheroes and superhero tropes and in its other iterations it has uh, it has continued that um but i def- definitely think people should check out the comics they're a lot of fun um and I wish I wish they were, I wish it had been done more traditionally in a way. But I think uh, because I think they would probably be better uh, quality and more widely distributed. I think one of the problems with it being this kind of weird, like Ben Edland and New England Comics uh, combination, is that uh, I I think the Tick as a comic character really kind of deserves more than he's ever gotten because of the rights. And I don't know exactly mm-hmm. what the rights are. I think New England Comics basically has the rights to publish comics featuring the tick. Oh. And it's too bad because I, I think uh, somebody, if they licensed that to a major uh, independent like comics publisher, they might end up with like way better like they would sell issues and things but they seem content to sort of occasionally fund mini series of the tick and print those those collections and make some money on it and it's kind of too bad but but the ben edlin ones are really great they really are hilarious do I
0: remember too that, so this is the, um, the, the, TV side. And I, I've heard this, and I don't remember if this was verified, that, uh, Ben Edlin made one of the greatest decisions in licensing history is that when he was doing the, uh, cartoon rights, uh, his agent said, or his, was negotiating for him, said, you know, you should always keep something back. And so he kept back the live action rights. And the studio said, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, under the assumption the show was too weird to ever make into a live action show. And that turned out to be a very, very, Good decision, if that's accurate. Now, I'd heard that like uh, I don't know, fifteen years ago, um, before we had the ability to verify facts. So I'm not sure if it's true. Or not. It, it,
1: it's a little surprising that Ben Edlund has the rights to the tick at all, because I would have imagined that New England Comics kind of would assert that they had rights to the stuff that he created for them. But obviously, something got resolved. And yeah, I, I think... mean, if,
2: if, if, if it had been Marvel or DC, right. that would right. that would but, be we would have we would we would have, we live in a very different world, right? Yeah, contracts
0: Um. in the old days, I mean, this is like, you know, if it's uh, the animated series premiered in uh, 94, so they had to be making it before uh, that. In the 80s, people wrote contracts differently, and you actually wrote a contract for content that said, we only want these rights, and you get all the other rights, which is super weird to anybody who's licensed anything today in any form. It's always, we want everything forever. I mean, I have written articles in which I've signed away the movie rights for, like, how-to columns. You know, that's great.
1: art, The argument, I think, would be, if he was an at New England comics it would be a work for hire But he wasn't he was a customer Who like had oh. this idea so my Guess my guess is the New England comics it, it, What they worked it out is New England comics Has kept print rights for the tick right. And yep. that and that Ben Edland got to Walk away with all other rights To the character um, and So they made a cartoon on Fox In the 90s which we're going to talk about Which mm-hmm. I will argue to this point At least is I think the The pinnacle of the tick i, I okay I, good i, I good. love it i i, I like <laughs> yeah. the comics but that car- cartoon is amazing uh three seasons they did on fox and they even aired an episode in Primetime on the fox network which is uh I, it delights me uh it was the, it was the christmas episode with multiple santa and it was actually on in prime time on a sunday night i believe at, at, uh, at christmas time and then um but to glenn's point also live action rights were available and so there has so been great. two now <laughs> versions and one of the oh reasons we're talking God. about the tick now is that is that as we record this coming up in august august 18th is when it premieres on amazon there is a new live action tick series but of course there was also a 2001 live action tick series starring patrick warburton uh, the new one stars P- Peter Serafinowicz. so Two count them two live-action TV series, three seasons of an animated series, and a whole bunch of comics. There's a lot here with this character, and honestly, a lot of it is really great. And if you have not uh, partaken of the Tick, if you maybe uh, written off the animated series, for example, like if you know th- about superhero stuff, you owe it your- to yourself and th- to watch them. So we're going to talk about them a little bit more in- here. So. I After Greg told me about The Tick, I just noticed, like, out of college, um, I just noticed that this show was on, like, on Saturday morning. I wake up and I'm eating my cereal and flipping around the TV, as you did in the 90s when we didn't have DVRs or anything like that. And I discovered that this show was on, and instantly I was like, oh, my God, this is incredibly funny and smart and, you know, kind of crudely animated because it's on a fox saturday morning animation budget
2: it was the it was the style of the time yeah
1: <laughs> it was uh but uh but incredibly funny and clever mm-hmm. and 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 from the very from the very start it w- did you guys discover both discover the tick in sort of while it was on in the 90s on on yes. fox
2: i was i was a little bit younger than you but yes <laughs>
1: My recollection is I knew it was
0: coming because I'd, uh, I think I was introduced, I was introduced to a bunch of interesting 1980s comics by a friend in college, John Schwartz, who I remember specifically because he is now a super serious writer about political stuff for The Intercept. So in college, he was an absurdist and, uh, uh, introduced me to comics and also my friend Ed Park, who went on to be, um, the book editor at the Village Voice and writes these very uh, abstract, interesting books that are hard to understand. So, you know, that's where humor comes from, apparently, is really serious people in their youth when they're wacky. Um, but I think I was watching for The Tick because I uh, liked the comic book and I hadn't read much of the comic book, but I kind of liked the character. And um, so when it came on, I think I was also in the early 90s, I recall watching a lot of cartoons. I'd moved to Seattle and not like I had spare time, of course, but um, didn't have kids, didn't have a partner. I yeah. was watching cartoons. Yeah. I was watching, you know, when Batman came out, I was watching
1: I, the Batman. I, I, had, I was married at this point, but um, we didn't what? have kids or anything. And so, you know, it was, what the heck? You know, Saturday morning, there's... And it was funny. Like, And my wife, who is not super superhero literate, or at least wasn't then, she's much more now, as are we all, I think, because the culture is <laughs> like this. But, yes. you know, we still quote lines from the from the, the Tick. Arthur, the Tick sidekick, for those who don't know, he, he's got a big white suit that makes him look like a bunny, except he's actually a moth, but everybody thinks he looks like a bunny because he's got big ears,
2: but they're actually supposed to be antenna, but they kind of look like ears. And, and a hallmark of the Tick across all the different forms of the Tick is the kind of other misfit superheroes that clutter his world. One of the strange things about the Tick is it seems like uh, the characters created on the
1: show were not able to be ported to future shows, so they change right. from show to show. Uh, so... Th- on, on the animated Tick, the other superheroes that they hang out with are Deflator Mouse, who is a vain, uh, cowardly Batman,
2: essentially. Bat- I, I think you're mistaken. <laughs> <I> think. <laughs> there, there is literally a scene in... That's, in, that's one... I'll, I'll allow that that's one way you could read that
1: character, yes. <laughs> there is a scene in Little Wooden Boy and the Belly of Love where he says, Who haunts my night domain? And then uh, a bunch of people dressed up like Swiss Army... Knives, basically, say, you know, get him. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine. It's cool. And he runs away. Uh, but so there's deflator mouse. And then there is American Maid, who is a a, a Captain America by way of Wonder Woman character. And she is by a... By way uh, of a maid,
2: which is very Yeah, strange. she has a French
1: maid yeah. kind of outfit.
0: She works the, the, the pun, you know? They, yeah. they make puns and they go with them, you know? They're yeah. So like, like yeah. Sewer Urchin is one of the other friends, mm-hmm. which you're like, I know that... Sounds like sea urchin, but it's so terrible. It's barely a pun. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. more like a language misuse. But they just go with it.
1: And so mm-hmm. Sor- Urchin, um, is his voice is basically they're just doing Rain Man. It's just yeah. doing a Dustin yeah, Hoffman yeah. impression from Rain Man. But the idea with sewer, sewer Urchin is he 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 smells. Nobody wants to be around him because he smells. He seems kind of useless. And then in one episode they go down to the sewers and he is <laughs> the greatest superhero
2: ever. Yeah, I mean he is the the Aquaman for the Justice League. Right, yeah, like in exactly the it. in the right setting. And I know there is also, like, a Prince of Atlantis who makes minor appearances, too. So I'm sorry. So don't write, don't at but me, Fish Prince of Atlantis. Yeah. yeah. Are we going to talk but... about,
0: uh, the overall arc first? I'd love to talk about the, the, before we go to specific episodes of the cartoon, or? Sure. I, there, there's something about it now. Since I know it, since it comes from, uh, comics, that Endlet had obviously been thinking about this. So the, it's not like they're developing the character as you go. So from the very first scene in the very first, uh, comic book, it's sort of, um, you know, it's, fully- fledged, completely insane and uh, ready to go mm-hmm. so there's no introduction he's just full-on tick there's no org uh, actually and
1: it's also great in the comic he gets released from an asylum so it's a little bit uh-huh. darker and he's kind of a crazy person who is who is released on the city in the in the uh, cartoon he basically passes his test and moves to the uh-huh. city to be a, a, a hero and in the in the Patrick Warburton series <laughs> he's he is, conned into uh, it. He, is yeah. inha- he is inhabiting a bus station and fighting evil at the bus station and they trick him into taking a ticket and going to the city to fight crime there. Uh, So different origins for the tick, but he shows up fully formed. He's Yeah,
0: and even with the uh, the Mental Institution one, there's no there, he has no origin story, which is no. um, very, very uh, rejective of the yes. notion of it. And in fact, I was watching, uh, oh, uh, which is the episode of the TV series where uh, he gets an identity or where they're, they're trying to get his license to be a superhero. And I realized that's the deepest exploration I can remember of where he comes from. The answer is nowhere. He is just <laughs> the <laughs> chick. Just a uh, this is not a costume. It is a costume. Yes. It's not a costume. He's nigh invulnerable. Yeah,
1: he doesn't um, have a secret identity. He is—he is just he is the, tick. the tick, and yep. uh, and he doesn't even look like a tick, but he's still. The tick, and you. Other than that, he's got little little antenna. But but basically, yeah. There's no nothing tick-like, tick-like about him. But, the you mentioned his powers, which are I think important to at least mention here. Is what are the tick's
2: powers? He is very strong, and he is nigh invulnerable. Nigh
0: invulnerable. That's I do his...
2: always kind of like I just, I I totally accept it now because the tick has just been around forever and part of my life. But I do always kind of wonder, like back in 1986, how did Ben Edlund like. How, who, like, because his pitches? well, the guy is called the Tick, and... Does he suck he doesn't look. Nope. Like, you, nope. Well, I got nope. a straw right here. You want a demonstration? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he has <laughs> no good. Tick-related powers. He, I mean, he has antennae.
0: I guess he can his, jump. He can jump, but not many times his own height, so... But yeah,
2: I mean, he's I are, I don't think ticks are known for their super strength. It's but it's like it doesn't matter. I guess it's it's just
0: yeah. But it's so well established. Like all the things he's he's uh, always in declamatory mode in public. Mm-hmm. In private. There's no yes. private persona. There is no quiet tick. There is no backstory. And
1: that is another reason why um, I wanted to do this episode is that uh, you you said he's always kind of. Uh, exclaiming things and giving speeches um it is hard not to see how the Tick is deeply influenced by the Adam Adam West Batman. Because it's the same sort of thing, except the Tick just goes all the way with it. Like, it Uh is, all he does is monologue. All he talks about is justice and goodness. Uh, Like, it it is, and, and, and everyone else around him reacts as like, geez, get a load of this guy, which didn't happen in the Adam West Batman. But the Tick is doing that same
2: thing as Adam West Batman did. The the Tick is kind of Adam West Batman in a slightly more realistic world, but there's still lots of misfit superheroes. But they know that they live in the real world and that they're kind of weird. <laughs> so. um,
0: but I just – and I love that when we meet Arthur, uh, I realize he comes in later in the comic book series, but we we were introduced to him. I don't know how it will be in the new series. We've only seen a, a pilot of that. But the um the introduction <laughs> – both the TV and the comic book is just like, he's an accountant. He's wearing the moth suit he found that lets him fly, which he's been too afraid to learn how to fly with it. And, uh, and he's, you know, he's trying to be an accountant in the suit and then he has to be freed. It's a little like the producer's scene. There's a lot in common with that. So I, I want to be a producer. He's like, I want to be a superhero. It's like, remember, mm-hmm. what's the guy's name? It's, um, remember not Johnson, the, uh, the fellow who. Oh, in uh,
1: the, in the live action, it's live uh, action. It's great. Metcalf. It's, uh,
0: Metcalf. Metcalf and, oh my yeah. God. The company, uh, right. Fish Ladder and Fish Ladder, which is great. You get, you get Christopher Lloyd in there for like, you know, one minute to do mm-hmm. a wonderful little bit. And, um, and that's great. But even in the comics, but the comics for you, the same thing. We're just presented with, he's, he's found this suit somewhere. Uh, we don't even know that yet. And he's, uh, trying to follow some destiny, which he doesn't even, uh, understand.
1: And He doesn't have a name, which is why, for the entire run, just he's Arthur. just our Arthur. And <laughs> yep. he, he doesn't Arthur. really have
0: a secret identity, but he's, oh, he's also always wearing his costume. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I like so, but without getting too far into it, it's just but the, the, the thing is, all of the super villains are ridiculous typically low rent, and have some just wonderfully absurd trait. And even from the beginning, the first episode, the Idea Men, the fact that they're wearing helmets, that makes it impossible to understand them. (laughs) (laughs) They're just, what? What do you want? And then when their helmets are revealed, it's like, we thought it would be a great idea to steal money, and then we would have money. It's like, oh my god, it's just, uh, it's great.
1: Yeah, and in the second episode, the Tick versus Chir- Chairface Chippendale, uh the the great the great scheme of Chairface Chippendale who is a Dick Tracy villain in the truest sense, which is yes. he is a guy who has a chair for a head. He chairface Chippendale is just a guy with a chair on his head. Like Instead of a, f- a head.
0: And all, and all his, uh, he invites those people to his birthday party and they're all Dick Tracy ish yes. people with giant eyebrows and chrome dome and so forth. But he right. also gives a very wonderful, impassioned speech about being rejected as a child, which is why he became a superhero. Yeah, a super so, villain,
1: so, so, Chair f- Chase Chippendale, his big scheme is he's got a laser or a heat ray and he's going to write his name across the face of the moon. So people will look up at the moon and they'll see Chairface Chippendale. And he succeeds in writing oh, CH and some of the letter A. <laughs> (laughs) And then they foil his plan. And the thing that's amazing about this TV show is that for the subsequent, what, 40 episodes of the show, every time they show the moon, it has Cha written on it. This is the
0: best thing.
2: Because he did succeed in writing those first three letters. That's a pretty (laughs) solid commitment to a running (laughs) gag for, you know, something that appeared on Saturday morning in the 90s. I know. Um, It's amazing.
0: Always very impressed. Yeah. By that. Oh, and then remember later when the Galacticus-type Galacticus uh, villain, mm-hmm. or not villain, but Galactic God, whatever, uh, takes yes. a bite it's out on, of the moon.
1: Omnipotous, yeah. Omnipotous, <laughs> thank
0: you. It's just, uh, the moon always has the bite out of it, too. It's great. It's just the poor moon.
1: This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you in part by Casper, an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair Price. Supportive memory foams create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you Everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to be spending a third of your life sleeping on it. Free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada with over 20,000 reviews, and an average of 4.8 stars out of 5. It is quickly becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. I've slept on a Casper mattress for more than a couple of years. It's still doing great. It's super comfortable. I hated my old mattress. My new Casper mattress was such a delight to get. I got to try it out knowing that I could send it back if I didn't like it, but I did like it. So I had my other mattress taken away and I've been sleeping on a Casper mattress ever since. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash Snell and using offer code Snell at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you, Casper, for sponsoring The Incomparable. Uh, somebody in the chat room is saying, isn't there a butter-themed villain? Yes, I think what you're thinking of is the breadmaster, his sidekick is buttery Pat. But uh, you're thinking of the breadmaster almost certainly. Are we He's in the butter zone already? Horrible. Do we horrible have to, are we
2: doing an impromptu villain draft? Is, this what, is uh, No, this is what I just, I'm answering questions
1: from the chat room, apparently. So right. so, so, Arthur has a, a a sister, Dot, who is in actually the live action series as well as the, the animated series. In the animated series, she's dating uh, Dinosaur Neil, who is a paleontologist mm-hmm. who accidentally eats some dinosaur, irradiated dinosaur meat and turns into a dinosaur for a while. That may be my
2: favorite episode of the animated <laughs> yeah. series. Yeah. Um, because... The dinosaur has a mustache, and yes. I feel like there's an important lesson about lab safety in there, which you shouldn't be eating next to genetically modified dinosaur samples. Um, so, you know, you learn something also. Also, there's a dinosaur with a mustache, so. And he, and the tech wrestles a tongue. <laughs> Trying to get a giant
0: pill down there. Yeah. There's, you know, there's science yeah. if you knew the name of, uh, if you knew what acetaminophen was, or no, acetacetyl mm. acid, uh, you know, that that's aspirin, <laughs> aspirin. And that's a part of the solution. Yeah, it's
1: good. I had you guys watch just as a refresher, uh, an episode from each of the three seasons. The first two seasons are available on DVD in the US I think the third season is not available on DVD in the U S although it is available in other parts of the world. It's very weird, very strange. Um, but I, I, uh, I very carefully collected all the episodes of The Tick that I could. And I had you watch uh, The Tick versus The Tick. Uh, little wooden boy in the belly of love and sidekicks don't kiss. So we should talk about those a little bit. But if there are other episodes that you would like to mention as
2: well, uh, we should we can throw those in there. There is so much here. Are these your top three, or were top from each season, or were these to give us a, a range?
1: I wanted a range from the from okay. the season, and uh, these are the ones that just jumped out at me. So I so I brought up the tick versus the tick for a few reasons. It is um it's it's great for a few few reasons. One of which is in terms of super tropes they go the most of the episode takes place in a superhero nightclub where sidekicks are not allowed and the sidekicks are have to go back around the back to the sidekick shack which is just an awful place where arthur
2: the ticks uh the tick sidekick and the only thing kind of more misfitty than a misfit superhero is the misfit sidekicks that arthur is therefore (laughs) set to deal with so arthur ends up sort of hanging out in this shack with a talking dog
1: and an orangutan and or some or- kind of ape, an orang- yes, an orangutan so- <laughs> is back there, or some other sort of ape sidekick, yes, absolutely, and we get to meet a bunch of other dumb superhero uh, tropes that are that, that that are hanging out there. But the best part of it is that when the Tick comes in, it's his first time there, and he says, "I'm the Tick," and everybody goes, "Oh no," because it turns <laughs> out there's this guy Barry. Who isn't really a superhero, but th- he has a self-styled superhero and he calls himself the tick. And so there's this whole question of like, who has the rights to the tick? And if Barry shows up, he's going to be mad. And of course he does show up. And he
2: does have a slightly more tick themed costume. Oh, yeah. As well. He's way better yeah. in terms of his he's, he's, he's very into being the tick. Yeah. I also took Barry as kind of a, a, a comment on the, uh, the gritty, uh, superheroes of the nineties where he's the, like, he, he is the nineties version of the tick. If the tick was, was yeah, published then, where he is, where he's, he, he he's rides angry. a motorcycle and he's angry and he's tough and he, he beats up people and he doesn't have friends. But also he, in the context of this episode, he's a loser, right? I right, mean, right. no, no one wants him there. And Nobody he's calls there him the because, tick. They all just call yeah, him Barry, right? Barry, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, you know, it, 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 he is not a superhero in a world where it seems like, the barrier to entry on superherodom is pretty low. Very <laughs> yeah. well. See also doorman. And, and the, yeah, doorman is is the doorman, and he is a superhero
1: at the club. And his his power is to have. He has a cape. He kind of floats, and he yeah, keeps you he, out of the he club. He does seem
2: able to fly. So yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, so what happens is the, in that episode is the the villain is the midnight bomber, what bombs at midnight, who we see throughout the episode. And one of the things I love about the Tick animated series is it is willing to try anything in terms of scenes that you don't understand and you don't know where they're going with it and by the end they make it all work but like they, they're they not linear storytelling uh, styles at all and so we, we see him the, the mad bomber with bombs in midnight is talking to himself driving his car to we find out the superhero club and he he goes in through the back entrance and through the bathroom and puts bombs everywhere because he's going to bomb uh, bomb the club and it's only with arthur's actions uh alerting the tick that there are bombs that the day is ultimately saved but um i love the mad bomber the the what bombs at midnight uh the evil midnight
2: bomber because he is uh kind of ludicrous the the conversation he has with himself over the course of the episode it's just is amazing yeah
1: yeah, he just keeps talking to himself, and, and it's great. And then the last thing he says when they capture him at the end is, you'll never prove a thing, Copper. I'm just a part-time electrician. Uh, Bad is good, baby. Done with government. And they take him <laughs> away. Take him away, boys. Take him away. He just can't help himself. Take him away. But it's he's also great. like, he's like a, a version of the Tick, right? He
0: doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense, and he's, nope. he makes even less sense than the Tick in the same way the Tick makes l- less sense than anybody else.
2: <laughs> he's got great character design, too. Like, he's yeah, all kind yeah. Of like bench. he's very like insect looking which is an yeah. interesting uh, interesting commentary in the episode called the tick the tick versus the tick right he's got these like eyebrows that are almost like antennae and he's his limbs are all like kind of bent over and uh, he's he's wild um so i i want to talk about the sidekicks for just a second because i i love everything that explores
0: the um the sidekick universe uh sidebar is uh, sky high is i think a terribly underrated fun movie that has I a agree. really great yeah do oh, you like that movie yeah it's a good wow. movie it's um i think it's very underrated cuz and it's it i don't think it would have you know needed sequels and things but it has a Uh, Dave Foley as the sort of sidekick in chief at the school for um, superheroes and the whole relationship there is great. There's a – I think it's in a collection of Bizarro comics. There's this interesting novel of comics – with Bizarro, Mr. Mitziple, meet each other.
1: Mitziple, how do you say it? Mitziple, Mitziple, something like that. Um,
0: and there's a bit, I think, in that one about sidekicks and like being at Sidekicks Anonymous and, and then someone coming back saying, you know, so and so, I lost my memory. I've been searching for you for years. And he's like, oh, and he goes back and joins him. And it's just this, I think it's a good little interplay. And especially, uh, the end of, uh, Tick versus the Tick when, the sidekick shack is blown up. It's um yeah, it's delightful. The, the
1: sidekicks. Yeah, the, the only thing that gets blown up is the sidekick shack because everything. Just the, it's up. so demeaning. Being a sidekick is basically the message we get here, which I just I, that always amuses me that that uh the sidekicks that there's this class structure in superheroes and the sidekicks are mm-hmm. are, are, are sent to the back. To be in their terrible place, it's it's hilarious.
2: I I find it especially hilarious given how inept the heroes are. I mean, literally, the, it, there's a superhero nightclub and there's a supervillain sneaking around planting bombs and no one is aware of it. And some of the heroes that we meet briefly that are that are basically just gags are uh, are ridiculous and, yes. and <laughs> yeah.
1: They're, oh. uh, yeah, they are—they're ridiculous. There's a, they made a whole sort of superhero group, and they're not very interesting, and they're bad. I think the se- I think though—season two. Uh for me that is the highlight that is the pinnacle. There are so many amazing episodes in season 2. I had us watch Little Wooden Boy in the Belly of Love, which I watched again Uh-oh. just before we recorded. I think that episode is so brilliant and so absurd uh at the same time. The fact that there is this we are introduced at the very beginning to a whale named Blowhole who is sort of a Forrest Gump so figure, right? Yes. He's a whale who emerges from the ocean and then runs cuz he's got like overalls and he's got arms and legs, but he's a whale. And and he runs across the United States and 10 years be- before he did the same thing and now he's running again from coast to coast and we get updates from our tv anchors who by the way repeat recur in the show there's Brian Pinède who it's spelled pinhead and Sally Vacuum and I forgot about the they are the uh, they are they Dr. are the reporters Spichemin. and we see that throughout uh, the episode but until the like one of the last scenes, it does not intersect with our main storyline, which I, I really love. And then meanwhile, Arthur, one of the other characters who gets introduced in the show is Carmelita, who is a, uh, who has a, a moth suit just like Arthur's, and uh, and they're sort of, they start dating, and the Tick is very jealous of this, and so in Little Wooden Boy uh, being rebuffed on Crafts Night, because you get the sense that there's this weird, like, the Tick and Arthur have their their superhero sidekick relationship includes to, like, delight- like they have crafts night and taco night and things like that they're doing a bunch of stuff together so the tick is jealous when arthur is going on a date with carmelita so he says i'm going to do craft night myself and he sands down a piece of wood uh, a block of wood until he thinks he sees a face in it at which point he creates his own sidekick to replace arthur who is the little wooden boy who is literally just a piece of wood and he runs around the rooftop crudely drawn face Larry. yes with a very <laughs> child like drawn face on it, uh, runs so around. Some nice, but some yeah.
0: joints, you know, attached by those tur- those uh, kinds of uh, metal things. You turn into the thing, and it's got a hole on it. You can attach things to it. It's great.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, like and then and then because uh, he's just jealous and the tick is a child basically as throughout like he is he, his emotional development is extremely limited and he's super jealous of Carmelita and so he creates little wooden boy and he starts to talk to wooden boy and he's pretending that little wooden boy is his sidekick and it's amazing and the Swiss industrial spies are trying to steal uh, the moth outfit and a, and a book or something like that and in the end they end up of course they end up in the belly of the whale. Where Carmelita's father has been living for the last ten years, which is a big surprise. Hello. And they, in order, in order to get out, they have to set a fire. That's, uh,
2: that's called conservation of giant yeah. whales. Principle no, of storytelling.
1: They have to set a fire. If only we had some wood. And yes, they have to set little wooden boy on fire in order to escape the uh, the giant whale. And that's and that's literally the end of the episode as they escape the end. Uh, the whale. Who knows what that was about? Nobody really knows or cares because it's just ridiculous. It's so wonderful and strange. I love it.
0: Uh, you know, I got to say there's um there's a bunch of like well this show is um uh crammed full of great little side references and intellectual things that just got thrown in for people who are eggheads like us uh so you know among other the fact that like the, so- Sally vacuum wait, Sally right Sally, Sally vacuum, vacuum is, yeah is um she is uh sort of harpoon-like with her microphone cable wrapped around the whale, just like Ahab Ahab, at the end of
1: Moby Dick is great. And she's asking Barbara Walters questions like, Blowhole, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? Right. (laughs) Yeah, and the Swiss, I love the Swiss in this episode. You know, I love the Swiss
0: in general.
2: I love the Swiss. Well, they all have giant Swiss Army knives they on their giant backs. Giant Swiss Army knives, which seems very impractical, but uh, committed to brand. So, you know. But then the bit where he's like, the Swiss are attacking. He's like, no,
0: no, we do not represent the Swiss government. Yes, our activities in no way represent <laughs> the
1: Swiss government, he declares. This
0: great disclaimer <laughs> he gives out. I also like, you know, shows tend to go big, right? And the fact the leader of the Swiss says, Get them. Just this quiet. Yeah. You're like that was actually a really nice little directing mm-hmm. touch.
2: I I think this episode and this is the first episode of season two, if I'm correct. Yeah. Uh, it I feel like it really shows that they're willing to get kind of a lot weirder because uh, yeah. I feel like season one, the episodes follow kind of a, a more kind of I mean they seem like they follow a more standard plot yes. with weird elements in them, and with season two, it's like no, there no. are no rules now. No. We got renewed. We, we're selling action figures. Like let's. They, well, they, all the episodes we, in we're season one are the, are the
1: Tick versus the tick whatever. Tick versus something, and, yeah. and, and, they, and they go completely away from that. There are only a couple like that in season two. They're, they're all names like the Little Wooden Boy and the Belly of Life. Love. And I should say also, at the end of many episodes, especially in Little Wooden Boy, the Tick ends up giving a speech that is really like elliptical and completely strange, and you have no idea where he's going. And uh, it's in his speech at the end that he says, Where were we all trapped? I'll tell you where, Arthur. In the Belly of love. (laughs) <laughs> Love chum like what is that's the tick it's amazing um yeah and in season two it gets weird so then uh, other episodes that are great in season two, so alone together as Glenn referenced is oh basically Galactus he's called so Omnipotus. and he comes to eat the earth uh and the and tick the tick is very upset because that's where the tick keeps all his stuff is that's on where the I Earth keep
0: all my stuff I remember that
1: and that's he and he like the tick like drives around on Omnipotus and like gives him a foot massage and all sorts of things like that. It's super strange, and in the end, I think Omnipotus just takes a bite out of the moon and agrees to leave, and that's the end of it. The
0: tick says to him, "Why not? Some so more or less, like why not have a bite in passing? Just you know, yeah. it's like oh, okay, take a I'll snack just take a bite out of the moon. for, for
1: the road." Like, uh, okay, yeah. And so for the <laughs> okay. rest of the series, at this point, it says "cha" with a bite taken out of it. <laughs> the poor moon in the
0: tick. Um, I was thinking particularly of um, oh, the one, the the uh, the the what's and the haze episodes. Tick versus the big nothing. Yes, which is totally unhinged mm-hmm. in every... I watched it... I think it's maybe the weirdest episode? Maybe? And there,
1: that's, there's Is an alien race something? that looks entirely like Arthur. Right. And they are trying right. to destroy the universe by dropping the Infinity Ball which is like the infinity gauntlet i guess except it's literally it's just an eight ball turned on its side so that the eight looks like the symbol for infinity and they're trying to drop that in a black hole to to create the end of the universe and the tick and arthur are kidnapped by and all all the what say is what and all the hey say is hey so it's like a who's on first joke where it's like what hey what hey it's so what, what, stupid what? it's hey, so hey, stupid hey, hey, and yet it's brilliant hey. it's this weird cosmic like it's just it's incredible
0: oh yeah and the the what's engines are powered by fear and so they yes make they, arthur so very they, afraid they
1: scare arthur and then they're able this, to move away from this, the black hole at that point the torture
0: yep. scene The aliens are very ugly and weird looking except the ones that look like arthur which all just look like
1: arthur and um it's just very 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 strange. It's a, yeah, um, that, that's a great episode. Um, I like uh, Leonardo da Vinci and his fight and genius time <laughs> commandos, yeah, yeah. which is the name <laughs> of that that great. Where there's a time travel. The mother of invention goes through time and steals history's greatest in, inventors. And his plan is literally, I'm going to blow up the renaissance. That, that's like literally his plan, and of course, and the, then he'll
0: invent everything. Yeah,
1: and then the tick, uh, the tick foils that. But that's great because like literally all like it's it's what George Washington Carver and Leonardo Gutenberg, Leonardo, Gutenberg, Leonardo da Vinci, Thomas Edison, and and a uh, wheel, who is the creator of the wheel of wheel? Yes.
2: Oh my god,
0: the, the <laughs> that's where it got its name.
1: Where they create
0: their. Oh my god, they create their wonderful invention where. Gutenberg is like punching letters at people and just it's like all the George Washington Carver of,
1: of course developed a peanut it's a, shooting it's like a peanut Gatling gun basically gun. and yeah. also puts
0: out peanut oil I think Yeah, so it's and great,
1: he, uh, the, the inventors become a crime fighting squad what, along with the Tick what, and Arthur, it's so absurd and what wonderful. What is
0: the line, George Washington Carver I really admired as a child, I read book after book about him and there's some bit in the, where he says, I just came up with another hundred uses for the peanut or something I can't remember what he says but it's like this "It's you invented over 500 uses." I just came up with another hundred. (laughs)
1: Uh, A couple of other episodes from season two that I wanted to mention. Um, There is the tickle of Santa which was the one that was aired in primetime this is one of my favorite I think I might have drafted this in our holiday vault in fact at one point it is a guy gets electrocuted but instead of dying he turns he tur- he's wearing a Santa suit <laughs> instead of dying he turns into multiple Santa and he turns out he's like the, the multiple man he, he can create more versions of himself and he's going to take over the world and I think destroy Springfield Dam at one point is kind of the plot and of course he's foiled but it's really great because there's these armies of Santas marching around going oh ho 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 and it's (laughs) and, and it's like a kid's cartoon and it's they're super threatening and evil it's great it's amazing and um grandpa wore tights which is my wife and i quote that episode at least monthly and maybe even more often than that it is Mm -hmm. about the decency squad who are these elderly superheroes who are really big it's very much referencing Watchmen the idea that they're you know back there were golden age superheroes but now they've aged and there's the terror who was their enemy who is revived actually in the new live action series it has the terror in it played by Jackie Earl Haley of all people speaking of the the Watchmen movie actually he plays the terror and and, in Grandpa Wore Tights the whole idea is that they have to get Information from these old superheroes who are all like in various forms of decrepit. Hm. Um, we should move on to season three, just talk about that yeah. a little bit. Uh, the episode I had you watch here is Sidekicks Don't Kiss. Which is, that is great. It's, it's more, <laughs> I forgot that episode It's entirely. more Carmelita. Uh,
2: Arthur gets kidnapped by these mysterious Aztecs. As, I think we, I think you have to emphasize the like the quotes around Aztecs yeah. when you say that. Well, and and watching a show, you Aztecs. don't you don't know
1: how absurd the show yeah. is trying to be. So they, the Aztecs, they're dressed like Aztecs, and the way they speak is sort of like "Get her, Itlán." we need to get back to the plain
2: Itlan. Everything, they just say English with Itlan at the end. They have a, an understanding of the Aztec culture that is basically on par with, like, the Kid Icarus cartoon character from Captain N's understanding of Greek culture, which is that he ends all his sentences with Icacus, you know? <laughs> so. <laughs> so, it turns out, though, that this is Carmelita's childhood baseball team, and
1: they, they were lost in a plane crash in Mexico on the way to some All-Star game after she was no longer on the team, and uh, or, or couldn't I forget what the what the backstory is and they just decided and they were they were the Aztecs the deertown Aztecs and they decide once they're in the Mexican uh, jungle to just be, live the life of the Aztecs but now they need to kidnap Carmelita so that she can be their queen which is completely ridiculous because although all they've got they've got like baseball bats and, and gloves and stuff they've got their baseball and There's equipment. a lot of batting
2: helmets right yeah yeah,
1: yeah. a lot of batting helmets yeah, and, it looked kind and of baseball uh, cargo things. cult it was like a cargo
0: cult I thought was going on and you were yes. no no they just got they just crash landed there and
2: but, and also they have the ability to leave because they, they leave right. their they Aztec to the city, city to capture exactly. Carmelita. So they totally have the ability to save themselves, but, uh, yeah uh,
1: and and the <laughs> highlight of this episode is that the tick at one point gets in a horrible uh, uh uh air crash and is laying in the in the foot of the jungles in Mexico and is spoken to by a capybara who <laughs> talks to him in a, a very kind of uh genteel English accent explaining what's mm-hmm. going on at which point the tick is uh very excited and decides that he will name his new his strange looking new pet dog speak um not realizing it is in fact the world's largest
2: rodent the capybara I I almost feel like I'm like like that's a, like a double joke because speak does not really look like a capybara. Speak has a very terrifying kind of face and doesn't have like like a capybara has like a snout. And no, they're kind of like, they're kind of kind of like a, yeah, they look kind of like a giant guinea pig, right? It's yeah. the uh, worst
0: drawn capybara. If it's actually if they intended it to be a capybara, I, maybe they I guess did they didn't. They didn't have one.
2: time to do reference check on. There was
0: no Google then. Tommy.
1: I think they yeah. wanted Speak to look as terrifying. ugly as possible.
2: <laughs> so I feel like it's like a double joke because it's like not only is it not a dog as the tick thinks it is <laughs> it's also not a very typical looking ca- capybara but that's that's how my interpretation of yeah
0: is, is it the next episode that speak is just cowering under the sink and like has
1: mange is like shedding fur and tick yeah, ticks it to the vet? again vet. speak doesn't go away this is the weird <laughs> continuity of this show there. is all of this stuff Geek remains so when the tick there. gets a pet dog who's a capybara then they just have that They just have that episode where he goes to the vet. Like, the capybara is then around. Speak is around after that. Poor
0: Speak is just cowering and shivering under the... Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I like I like Carmelita. I think that that she's she's it's actually kind of sweet that we keep seeing her and she's got she's Arthur's perfect match cuz she's got the costume as well. They can both be like moth people together. And uh and and this is a good episode with her and uh of course sidekicks don't kiss. There's a moment because the the Arthur's kidnapped, so the Tick, even though he's jealous of Carmelita, has to work with Car- Carmelita to get back Arthur. And at one point they are saved from oblivion and uh and they survive and uh, she gives the tick a kiss on the cheek, which leads the tick to immediately Side escape. Sidekicks Side don't kiss. Uh, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's amazing. There's also
0: the great bit where she's fighting the. Uh, they the cut away from uh, Carmelita in danger. You come back and she's just beaten up and tied up. All the you know pseudo Aztecs and it's like. This is good. We're not having the damsel distress thing. It's like they set us up for the trope and they're like, nope. She's actually – I mean this is the funny thing, right? In this series, um, who is competent in uh, in the tick? Really, American Maid and Carmelita stand out. Almost nobody else is technically competent at what they do. Mm-hmm. None of the supervillains, very few no. of the superheroes are actually good at anything.
1: Yep attention incomparable members we have posted a brand new members only exclusive in the podcast feed for members it's a commentary track of back to the future featuring me david lore steve lutz Aline sims and gene mcdonald talking about back to the future so you can sync it up and it's like you're watching the movie with us i
2: remember always being very worried about einstein you know when i was watching this i was little you know right Oh what? no, he's, he's like Laika he's the dog a He'll be fine He had He'll come back. an experiment and it's like Oh my god, what if it doesn't work? Very sad
1: Yeah, He is the first time-traveling creature Our in history Oh my god, you're right Doc Brown is a monster I've been watching this house. movie wrong all these years Yeah, <laughs> What a jerk <laughs> the dog hasn't been fed in days either. That kelcan has been piling up. So if you're a member, check that out. And if you're not a member, what are you waiting for? There's that, The Incomparable bootleg, where you get all of our live episodes as soon as they've aired live, unedited and uncensored, and a whole lot more. TheIncomparable.com slash members. Uh, there are other weird the third third season's super weird. There's an episode about uh-huh. a sentient mustache that has uh, Jim Rage, who is basically Nick Fury in it. He's a very angry <laughs> man. There's also a there's in throughout the series there's a Punisher analog yes. who who uh, tries to go into therapy and wear sweaters and feel better about himself, but he struggles because he really wants to shoot things. Which is he really amazing. looks like the
0: Punisher in his first appearance? You're like yeah, they oh, yeah. really just put him in a Punisher I mean, there's no like parody. It's just he's in a Punisher outfit. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I particularly like tick versus Europe, partly because it's a weird <laughs> it's got too, a
2: robot, cowboy.
0: It robot does. cowboy coming through, coming through. Um, but it's partly because the ongoing thing of the tick basically destroying pediments and rooftops and just smashing into stuff all over the place. Um, just breaking rooftops. <laughs> there's One of the early scenes is when he's doing the hero exchange to Europe. He like knocks something off a building and there's just somebody lecturing him, like pointing up and him like looking
1: sheepish. And it's great. Yeah. Can't do that in Europe. They like their buildings. And that's the breadmasters in that one. That's one of the ones with the, the breadmasters. Bread uh, anyway, I love the animated tick. I wish it was widely available um, and not sort of a DVD you have to get of a couple of seasons of it. I, I imagine maybe there are rights issues going on there, too. But I really wish was, this was available for streaming or for download digitally. I don't think it is because uh, it's great. But seek it out. And some of it's on YouTube. You can find it on sometimes YouTube. they just don't
0: bother right even though there should yeah. be a market for it you wonder you're like you know things just don't happen because nobody is uh shepherding it inside a company but you think that they would want to make money off it with a new series coming out and all that so With the new
1: uh, the new live action series i do wonder although it's also um you know maybe there are rights things too where it's like it's less profitable for them to put that out than something else because they have to pay uh ben edland or new england comics or somebody some money for it i don't know I don't know. Also, the the DVDs are weird. They're, they omit episodes, and it's unclear why. Um, or it's clear why in the case of the episode that has um, Mandy Mulford, which is basically a Cindy Crawford Paris parody, and apparently there was like a threat of a lawsuit or maybe an actual lawsuit about her likeness. Um, it's such a parody and yet it seems like they just caved and they're like, yeah, we're just not going to put that episode on the DVD. So you can't get the, that. Well, the, there may have been that,
0: no, yeah, it's again, there's no money. It's like, maybe if they cared, they would, but they're like, ah,
1: yeah, whatever. It's too bad. That's uh tick versus the mole men. I think. That's good uh so then in 2001 guess what happened (laughs) they did a live action version uh with with uh with patrick warburton as the tick it it lasted nine episodes it was not successful i had you guys watch the pilot which glenn already talked about christopher lloyd has this uh this cameo as arthur's boss they talk about metcalf who thought he was going to be a superhero and now he Poops out of a tube, or something like that, I think is That's what right. he
0: says. That comes up. We see that in the show later.
1: Yeah. Um, but, uh, the plot, of the plot of this is, you know, the tick, yeah, he's tricked to going to the city from the bus station that he's been protecting and, uh, the, the red scare, Russian agents steal a robot that was made in the seventies to kill Jimmy Carter. And it turns out Jimmy Carter is visiting the city that day. And so the <laughs> robot is going to, who's got literally has a hammer and a sickle on his mm-hmm. arms because he is a Soviet Perfect. robot uh goes tries to and they save the day and save president carter who is who is sort of dubbed in and seen from behind and is they they make the barest effort to make him seem like he might be jimmy carter because it is a
2: sitcom <laughs> you, because jimmy carter was not available but it's so. one of the problems
1: is in, in a yeah. sick of, of with this whole series because i really love patrick warburton and i actually think that um david burke is great as arthur the uh, the Flittermouse analog in this is Batman Well, which is Nestor
2: Carbonell. Jo- He's
0: It's a great joke, mm-hmm. too. I dislike that.
2: Should we talk about the the parallel characters? Because it's it's a little strange, and it might be confusing to people who don't understand why why it's that way. Or Yeah,
1: or, I mean, it, yeah. They, they couldn't bring over the Fox. I think Fox owned the rights to characters created on the Fox show, right. so they created analogs. So Captain Liberty is Liz Vassie, and she's basically American-made, but she's got a different outfit. And- yeah, it's,
2: it's weird because they they're are different, and I guess... (laughs) legally distinct but such clear yes. parallels um that that it's and they do they tweak the personalities of them somewhat but that seems like more like that was probably just a choice of the storytelling um yeah batman well is not quite as incompetent it seems like as uh deflater mouse no he's more he's more ex- into in, into he still yeah.
1: like wants to date and things but he's got yeah. he's more about like a pr strategy kind of thing where yes. flater mouse is just completely incompetent yes no idea yeah batman well
2: is kind of uh, a little skeezy he's right like, in like he's, in it he's a for little the
1: publicity more than he's in yeah it Crime fighting.
2: Yeah. I mean, and hey, who can't say that about Booster Gold, right? You know, there's mm. lots of people right, who right. do good work for the streets for the wrong reasons. <laughs> sure, uh, but yes, but Jeff Later Mouse is probably should stay at home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think the problem with the Tick uh, as a live action series on the Fox sitcom one is that it's very hard to visualize especially in 2001 yeah. to on that budget to try and visualize superhero things and so many episodes in fact some of the better episodes involve uh, very little about like fighting things and very much mm-hmm. more like when when it's a Seinfeld episode and they're at the they, they hang out at a Chinese restaurant that's kind of a bar but kind of a Chinese restaurant it's very confusing but they when they hang out there and kind of live their lives I think the show is at its best and it's when they're like oh, okay it's a superhero show we need to do some superhero stuff and you just see how they have no money to do anything it's all off screen or really cheap yeah, there's
0: no fighting there's no i mean the super villains are
1: thin well, apocalypse cow appears at the end of the pilot but we never see apocalypse cow they which just is dist-
2: apocalypse cow being legally distinct man-eating cow yeah exactly uh, right yes from the comics so <laughs> Well, and you know, I feel like they missed a joke there because kind of the joke I actually, if I forget if it's in the comics or also in the cartoon uh man eating cow just looks like a cow, so right. I guess they did not have the budget for a cow um, so. <laughs> With flame well, it's flame enormous at the end,
0: yeah, at the end of the uh episode, I think it's supposed to be enormous is the way you perceive it uh in the off stage yeah yeah i um I actually watched a bunch of these episodes, I started watching like, oh yeah, this was pretty funny, and I gotta tell you. The problem with the show, the more I watched it, the more you realize it's they, um, Liz Vazzy, who, again, another actress who I wish I'd see, it would be in more stuff, but you don't know how casting works, right? Um, she's, she's great in this. I think actually all the actors do a very fine job. Uh, she has this, um, sort of not exactly ready for primetime cutout. Like, it's, it's weird that she has a giant star cutout on her cleavage. Oh, well,
1: that's a reference to Power Girl. That's
0: an actual, I know, right? It Totally. Oh, it totally is, but it's like even more so. It's kind of disconcerting. And then, uh, uh, we
2: call that, a, in the business, a boob window. Yeah, that's what that's called. Thanks, Jason. It's a little weird. I mean, there's. I feel like there's always this thing where the tick is a little unsure who is it aimed at, right? And, like, the yeah. cartoon, there was all the merchant. There were, like, tick pogs, and there was, like, tick everything, I've right? I've
1: got a, t- a plastic tick and
2: Arthur that was from toy stores back then, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. and, and, and I get the sense that, like... Maybe that is not what the people making the tick were probably all about, but like had to because that's how you get your show made is your show sells toys. But it felt like the tick was like, well, we're, we're, we're going to do like what we can do so that we're still like selling some toys, but we want to be hitting a little above that. And then the, the, the sitcom feels a little bit like. I don't know. It feels like arbitrarily adult, right? Like things are like a little bit sexier because we're supposed to be because we're on at night and we're on Fox probably well, in the early 2000s. I, I
0: found it, I started to find it more and more distasteful, to be honest. Like it, it's funny. And then I watched, I think that well, there's nine episodes. I think I went up watching six and I turned off in the middle of made the sixth one because, um, it just winds up being a lot of jokes at, uh, at, uh, uh, not. A, I'm sorry, what's her name? Captain Liberty's expense about her sexual history. It's like winds up being this whole thing in Batman. Well, and she have a sexual past. And it just winds up being this whole kind of like inappropriately, uh, it's not funny and it's not really appropriate and it's sort of shaming. And then, um, uh, then there's, the tick says things he wouldn't say. He says, um, this is actually even in the Wikipedia entry. I think cause it's so egregious. He says something like, uh, uh, Java, what is it? Java something, you're my bitch. Java in the devil. First ep- yeah. Java devil, you are now my bitch. And watching the, yeah, in the, in the pilot, I'm like, why? It just set me really off tone.
1: It, it's actually um, like, I totally get the context of that scene because he's hit a coffee machine and now it's dispensing coffee again. But yeah, it, it, it rings, it rings wrong like yeah um, they're trying to mix in things to appeal to adults but it's like that okay but the tick wouldn't say that because of he's he's your super straight arrow character Um, and and you're right about Captain Liberty I mean I think what they're trying to do is have this be one of it's it's almost like a parody of sitcom like relationship trials and travails but and Batman well gets it too but yeah she's only woman So they make all the jokes about her
0: sexuality and then there's the episode where she uh, kills – was it Captain Immortal or something? I didn't watch that one. The Uh, the Immortal, yeah. The Immortal. She kills him by sleeping with him and he has – he dies. And you're like, uh, you know, it's just – every episode winds up being that. Now, episode four, the license where he has to get a superhero license, that is a genuinely funny, weird – Episode where I mean su- semi-
2: superheroes plus bureaucracy equals hilarity it was- right? That's just a, that's a law <laughs> of the universe.
0: Absolute insistence that he has no backstory. Then someone appears and claims that she's married to him. He just goes along with it. Oh, I guess this, this is my wife. Yep. And they go home, and he's like, "It's time. Is it? Is it time to go out on the uh, on patrol?" And she's like, "Just toss the salad." In, in both the cartoon and the TV series, I appreciate. Their dedication to the tick's complete inability to toss salad without throwing it all around the room—that is—that is good detail.
1: Uh, and the terror appears in this in this series as well, because oh, the yeah, terror keeps true. coming back. And this is. Um, Uh, 112 year old villain the terror and that's the that's actually the last episode which I think actually takes us to the 2016 version which actually uh, features the terror prominently in the pilot which we have seen because that aired about a year ago and it's interesting talking about the tone the tone they're taking with this where I, I think we in 2016 2017 we have this different expectation there are Major blockbuster movies that they are they are PG thirteen and R. There are Netflix superhero shows that are dark and essentially the equi- TV equivalent of kind of R rated or hard PG thirteen rated. And in comes The Tick as a TV series today. And I think the Amazon series that Ben Edlund is trying to tell because it's still Ben, ben Edland, except now he's running the show. He's been working on <laughs> TV. He's
0: had a lot. Yeah, he's had a lot of credits. I mean, yeah. he's been on he, a lot he, of shows. It's come all the, the way out. back
1: around where he's like he's able to run a show now because he's been on staffs of TV shows elsewhere. And they're trying to do this in a... It's still The Tick, and it's still got jokes, but they're trying to do it in a more kind of like realistic... In terms of like a sto- a superhero story that would be told today. So we spend in the pilot, we don't really like the the show doesn't really get started in the pilot. It's really about the Tick and Arthur meeting and Arthur uh, coming to terms with being uh, using this. You, you know, he gets this suit and and how to use it. Um, Peter Serafinowicz, it's it's talk about a, it's funny. A tough, tough act to follow. Patrick Warburton is great. He's actually listed as a producer on the new series, so I feel like unless there was something contractual there, which may be true, but I also, I like to believe that Patrick Warburton had a great affection for this character um, and that that he wanted to be involved and it's not just contractual. I don't know if that's true, but like he was great. Townsend Coleman, who... Uh, was the voice of the animated tick, and people might know from like all of NBC's must see TV promos in the '90s because he did all of those too.
2: Um, He's also the the voice of Michelangelo in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. See? Thank you very much. All right, yeah. You're, you're, also a, another uh, comic from Massachusetts. You're welcome. There you people. go. Thank
1: you very much, and you're welcome. Um, so Peter Serafinowicz has a, a hard act to follow, but his take on the tick, I think it's you know I think it's interesting, and I think it could be really good. I think the problem is that based on just the one episode, we don't. Really Really know where they're going. What we learn in this is that Arthur is actually kind of a messed up person who has been uh, has been institutionalized and medicated because he watched his father get killed by the Terror as a child. After he had killed the uh, Fantastic Four, basically analog the famous mm-hmm. five or whatever they are, and uh, and his his sister is sort of taking care of him and hoping he doesn't relapse. And when we go back to his apartment it turns out he's got one of those classic like uh, twine around a bunch of different cards on a board he's got a <laughs> conspiracy <laughs> chart about the terror still being alive and he's convinced the terror is still alive and so it's interesting because arthur is more damaged which is sort of why we understand maybe why he is uh drawn to the tick and the show really introduces this question of like is arthur Arthur really seeing the tick at all is he real he is but maybe he isn't uh, and that's kind of interesting I don't know where it's going to go but w- what do you guys think of the of the pilot I I've, I think it's got potential at the very least he's still a speechifying weirdo and I, that's what he really gives me uh, gives me a lot of hope about the new tick series is that is that Ben Edlin knows who the tick is and even though the the years have gone on and this is a very different show than a, than a show of, of 10 15 20 years ago that the tick is still who he is, and that is uh, giving speeches and believing in justice. And there's a scene in the Amazon show where he is being shot at um, by these thugs, and he's not invulnerable, right? So he's just like, nope, that's you got you got to stop that, like. And then and then he just kind of hits a guy with his hand, and he goes flying into a wall or something, and he's like, literally, like, nope, uh, <laughs> that's not gonna work. And it's interesting to see that, like, what would the tick be like if he was like that much more real? And because technology's advanced so far in terms of special effects, uh, it does feel much, much much more like a uh, they they can t- they can do fights and explosions and things that the Fox live action Tick totally could not do, not even like the the sparks on the Tick's head when he's stopping the elevator in the live action pilot. Um, no, no, it's not good. So this is much better than that. Uh, but we'll see if it makes it.
2: They they will get ten episodes in August though. So yeah. Do you do you have any uh, opinions on the redesign of the uh, the suit for the different live action versions of the Tick?
1: Well, that's interesting, right? So with Patrick Warburton, they like got his whole um, his whole Fixed. face is is, yeah. is open, right? And it's just kind of a, he's got like a surround. It surrounds him, mm-hmm. which is like the the animated tick.
2: His eyes are covered, and and then his face, which is basically his mouth. Um, mm-hmm. and, he, and he has these Spider-Man style eyes, where his eyes can emote and add, and change shape as needed. Right, right. right. So the Pat-
1: yeah. Patrick Warburton is is uh, it's it's much more simple than that. And they've done with with Peter Serafinowicz. He's got kind of the eye cutouts, and and his 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 uh, antennae are
2: uh, much more expressive, I would say, mm-hmm. because probably I, presumably antennae technology has evolved exactly in the, uh, the intervening years. Right, <laughs> yeah. I think the challenge with with uh, Peter Serafinowicz is he's very tall, but he's not particularly
1: muscular, so he he doesn't appear as muscle bound as as Patrick yeah, Warburton yeah. does. Yeah, the I mean Pat-
2: Patrick Warburton is yeah, yeah he's got a, a big chest and he's got wide shoulders. Whereas, uh, I mean, no offense, Peter Serafinowicz, I'm sure you're you're a very attractive athletic man, but uh, you don't look like an impossible cartoon character. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, he's he's he's
1: got the he's got the height thing going for him, but he doesn't have the the big muscles. And instead, they put him in a suit that's got kind of like stylized kind of muscle cutouts and things, which I think is fine. I I think there's you know there's Batman Joel Schumacher Batman being quoted there a little bit. <laughs> uh. <laughs>
2: Hmm. I, I, what was that? I couldn't hear you for a little bit there. So let's <laughs> <laughs> just cut out. Let's not know. talk about Joel Schumacher Batman movies. Or well, you're or, still. Well, or wait, stop not talking about should, it, please. Wait, so. maybe this
1: is foreshadowing for next week's episode. <gasps> what?
2: Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Bum,
1: bum, bum. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see what what happens with the Amazon one. Um, I'm hopeful, uh, but I, it really could go either way. It, it's it, it it'll be uh fascinating though like we've been talking like how how many chances do you get uh to get these different takes on a character like this this could have just disappeared after the
2: animated yeah, series a, and we would never a see spider-man number of of takes so yeah. you know <laughs> arachnids they get they get eight tries i guess that's how it works right well, so. and ostensibly,
0: this is ben edlin getting his best, <laughs> yes. shot, best right? shot the original the cartoon i don't know how much i mean the original cartoon oops the uh sorry the cartoon um the animated series, yeah, he clearly was two. you know deeply involved, and that was his vision. The original uh, act, live action version sounds like he did not have as much control. Or well, very much no, control I mean he all. he
1: wrote he wrote episodes and was an exec producer, uh, but I, I I think that that was he was working with Barry Sonnenfeld on that, and you know he had not had any TV writing experience basically beyond the Tick cartoon when he did that, and well, he had no and, budget. I mean that's the and thing. He I think had no the, budget. I think, they made it into
0: a thing that it had to be because of budget right. and not that amazon throws infinite amounts of money but they're really willing to spend uh amazon's willing to throw money mm-hmm. at stuff to yeah. if they think something's going to work and i you know i i forgotten that this is part of that uh, they did that whole they've done that pilot approach where they're putting a bunch of stuff out there seeing what sticks and then throwing money at it which is kind of Amazing. It feels like the old days of television, um, back when people would try stuff because there was enough money to do it as opposed to the, the cautious, uh, unscripted, quasi unscripted stuff now. So, you know,
1: bravo. And Ben Edlund has, has gotten 14 years. Of experience in TV's writers' rooms Jesus. to to this one, so he did Firefly and Angel. I mentioned for the longest time Supernatural, um, and then he did Revolution and Gotham and Powers. So he's been on a bunch of different writing staffs over the years, in addition to some freelance. And so he's you know he's gotten to the point where he, yeah, if they're going to do a live action tick, and he's got the rights, like he could do that now. He could he could run that show, and and this is his shot at that to do it like where he has is a seasoned tv professional and he's got this thing he created and he's getting another whack at it which i think is exciting um whether it succeeds or not you know we will always have that animated series which is the the, i think just an amazing piece of work but i would love for it to be successful and funny and and bring that kind of skewed view of uh superhero tropes into the modern day where we are completely surrounded by superhero stories i think it's the like the right time to make fun of it but nobody has really cracked that yet there have been a couple attempts
0: this is no uh, spaceballs coming, uh, you know, forty years after Star Wars. Kind of thing. timing is good.
1: <laughs> yeah, spaceballs too. It's coming, right? If it doesn't, uh, if it doesn't work, then uh, yeah, maybe they can get the uh, animated rights back. But
0: they'll, no, they'll do the, the, the virtual reality rights, the augmented reality. We'll be hmm. we'll be running along with the tick down city yeah, streets breaking
1: and breaking break uh, break the tops of uh, apartment buildings off as we run on the rooftops, probably. I recommend people dig up the comics and they are in print and dig up the animated series. If you can find like the DVDs and there's, there's lots of, uh, there's lots of material here. Ben Edlund is a funny guy. He wrote my favorite episode of Angel, by the way, which is the one where Angel turns Smile into a puppet. Time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so great. You're a wee little puppet man. Yeah. He turns into a puppet. That's just what a, yeah. Ben Edlund. Good job. Good. Uh, good job, man. Um, yeah. Seems on so. message. All right, well, so The Tick, those who are interested uh, can find the new series on Amazon and you can find those books and you can dig up the old series on DVD if you you want. Uh, And if it's successful, maybe they will be more readily available in the future. Who knows? I still hope one day that some big publishing company decides The Tick's rights are worth purchasing away from the various rights holders because I think The Tick would be a fantastic addition to some actual pub- comic publishers library but that that hasn't happened sorry new england comics i just you know i i feel like the tick is so good and in the hands of other funny writers it would be uh it could be great but obviously there's some really weird things going on with the rights to this character that that hasn't happened yet maybe ben edland has some control over how they use the tick too i don't know i don't know write in if you're a lawyer for ben edland anyway <laughs> 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 that's one of our spinoff
0: show,
2: uh, Rights Podcast. We're just talking yeah. about
0: the rights Boy, issues associated that. with various I, properties. I
2: love talking about rights issues. those That's my favorite. Yeah, we don't we don't get enough mail from lawyers. How can we fix that yeah. podcast problem? <laughs> so. I'm going to
1: rename this podcast into Star Wars, and then we'll uh, get mm-hmm. lots of letters. That'll be mm-hmm. great. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. We're, we've, we've enjoyed talking about The Tick, I think, and uh, we hope you have, too, and uh, seek it out if you have not spent enough time with The Tick. I'd like to thank my guests for being here today. Glenn Fleischman, you can't fight evil with a macaroni duck. Uh it- <laughs> I don't know what to say. I'm I'm speechless. So let me
0: give this prepared speech I have, Jason. Okay. Thank you for very, very, very,
1: very much appreciated. Tony Sindelar, don't ever try to swim against the mighty tide of justice. All I have to say is spoon. <laughs> spoon and thanks to everybody out there for listening to this edition of The Incomparable I've been your host Jason Snell I am mighty I have a glow you cannot see I have a heart as big as the moon as warm as bathwater. I am a superhero all of us are superheroes we have no time to be charming the boots of evil were made for walking we're watching the big picture friend we know the score we're a public service not glamour boys not captains of industry keep your vulgar monies we are a justice sandwich no toppings necessary living rooms of America do you catch my drift do you dig spoon